0: Welcome to Self-Compassionate Professor, a career wellness podcast for mid-career and recovering academics who want more. More meaning, balance, rest, joy, and more clarity. Our motto here is no regrets. So glad you're here. Welcome, welcome. This is episode 87, and I'm Danielle Delamar. And if you celebrate, happy Halloween! <laughs> we have this little uh, stuffy um, that I think is my daughter's, and it's in like the Halloween box that we store in the basement. And every year, year when we get it out. Um, you can squeeze this little like vampire stuffy's um belly <laughs> and he'll say, Happy Halloween. So I always think of that when I say happy Halloween. Anyway, happy Halloween. So I gotta tell you, this episode is so much fun. I talked to Cheryl Lau, who is a side hustle coach, and she's also a PhD student. Um She's the only Ph.D. student I know who is making six figures. (laughs) Like what the what? Anyway, I didn't even know she was a Ph.D. student um, when I invited her on the podcast. I was just like, we need to talk to somebody on the podcast who is a side hustle coach because I know a lot of academics who want to do that. They want a side hustle. Whether it is to sort of complement and supplement the work they're doing in their university life or as sort of a stepping stone out of that career and into a career as an entrepreneur. So if you are an academic who is interested in starting a side hustle, I want to tell you that we have a lot of stories from a lot of other academics who have done that that you can listen to. So I think one of the first ones we did was episode 22, Dr. Rebecca Schisler Marshall. She's an associate professor and a coach. There's also episode 46, Dr. Alyssa Ackerman, who is also an associate professor and she owns her own consulting company. Also, you could check out episode 68 with Dr. Malik Boykin, who is an assistant professor and a hip hop artist. And more recently, there's episode 77 with Dr. Kemi Dole, who is an associate professor and coach, as well as episode 84 with Dr. Angela Gist Mackey, who is an associate professor and owns her own consulting business with her husband. Anyway, what you should know is that these side hustles can be so healthy. And so healing for academics who really want to just put something into the world that they're unable to do in their academic careers alone. If you feel compelled to do something like this, if you sort of feel pulled, if you have something you want to try, try it. If you have something you know is important and needs to be in the world, do it. And according to Cheryl Lau, when, when you listen to this interview, it should give you some confidence that this is something you can take on, even if you have a full-time academic career. And I guess my big thing is don't let the thing that you know you want to put into the world go just because you think you don't have time for it, right? Find a way to make time. Find a way to strategize. And that's what I love about Cheryl's message. She's like, look, if you strategize a bit, you don't have to work that much. You can put something wonderful into the world and help a lot of people without a ton of time. And if you do want to leave your academic career, this is a stepping stone, right? This was just such a great conversation. So here's the interview now. Yay. Thank you for joining our conversation today. I'm talking to Cheryl Lau side hustle coach, and PhD student. Cheryl, I am so glad I invited you here. How are you?
1: I am really good. Well, first of all, thank you everyone for tuning in, into this conversation. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yay! I am happy to have you because honestly, what happened is you had posted on LinkedIn about a professor that had contacted you because you're a side hustle coach. And she wanted to talk about how to sort of create her own side hustle. And I was like, my audience could really get some goodness from Cheryl if she can talk to them about creating something that they love on the side while they're still in their full-time job. And if they want to stay in their full-time job, great. Um, But if they don't, at least that's like a stepping stone to get out. And I just thought, this is what we need. And then I contact you and you're like, and I'm a PhD student. And I'm like, what? I had no idea just how perfect you were for, uh, for the podcast. So thank you for being here. And do you mind telling us a little bit about the professor you were mentioning in that post?
1: Sure thing. So uh what a what a hilarious introduction first of all. Um yeah, so the professor without disclosing any details um like, you know, pri- privacy confidentiality, etc. Um so I had received an email one day uh last um, maybe a month ago at this point. Um, And she just wanted to learn more about how could she translate that into opportunities for an academic like herself. So I think those were somewhere along the lines of her email. So we actually hopped on a zoom call and I learned more about her goals, her vision for the impact that she wants to create. And I shared just, I just shared a bit more about how a coaching business could potentially allow her to create that impact that she had imagined. Um, on top of everything else that she's already doing, she's a very busy person from my understanding. I mean, she has kids. She's a professor. She does a lot of things. She wears a lot of hats. So I just offer her some suggestions. And yeah, that was how the conversation started. Okay.
0: And I remember you had said something in the post about like, Well, you are so successful. Why do you want to do this? And what did she say to that?
1: Mm, yes. Yeah, I was really just blown away because as we were getting to know each other, she shared with me all the different hats that she was currently wearing. And my first instinct, my first question was, why on earth would you want to do a coaching business on top of all these other things that are happening and going on for you already? And honestly, her response just blew my mind. So the coaching business that she had in mind um, was she really wants to help uh, other Particularly women of color like herself to go after academic or career opportunities that they did not quite think was available to them or possible for them. So, kind of like a career coaching um, kind of business, right? And she said that because she had been able to create so many opportunities for herself. And she, you know, once thought that many of these things were not possible for her. And she also received mentorship and support along the way. She wants to be a similar kind of support or guidance for other people um, who are similar to her. So that just blew my mind how even on top of a very successful career, on top of being a parent, on top of all the other roles that she has as a multifaceted human being, she still wants to create an even bigger impact through a coaching business. And that was just
0: incredible. And what's interesting to me is she doesn't actually want to leave. Like she wants to stay in her academic job. And that's kind of your thing, right? Like you say, look, you can create a side business and it does not have to be a second full-time job, but it can feed your passion. Tell me where I'm wrong.
1: Yes, that is exactly what I'm all about. Um, And I think, you know, what I like to, or how I like to describe my approach to building a side hustle coaching business is really build it in a way that does not feel like a second full-time job because I think that there's a lot of um, new or aspiring entrepreneurs who want to start a coaching business they have the misconception that it has to be hard it has to feel really time-consuming and really stressful and they have to do all the things Um, but what I find is that, yes, that's an option. You could go down that route and (laughs) do all the things you could really hustle in your spare time, but you can also do the bare minimum in your business, but do it really, really well. And that's kind of the approach that I have figured out for myself. And that's exactly what I help others do as well, is how can we create the bare minimum plan of action for you? that's simple, authentic, and fun, but also effective in terms of, you know, um, building demand for your coaching programs and ultimately excel in your career and make time for what actually matters most to you in your life. Mm.
0: So that brings me, I guess, to your story. Um, you kind of learned all these lessons the hard way. I love that you called, uh, you called your crisis a quarter life crisis <laughs> when you dropped out of law school. Um, so, can you talk about that and how that all went down?
1: Sure. So, when I first finished my bachelor's degree, I went straight into law school. Um, really, for I couldn't think of any other reasons looking back besides very ego driven reasons. Mm. Yes, I want to help people, but I didn't quite do enough self-reflection work to understand why, why a law career. So to be quite frank, I went into law school with not necessarily the the reasons that I would have liked. And so, you know, I went to law school, I even got a scholarship, an entrance scholarship. Um, But when I got there, everything seemed fine at first. I, I liked my classmates, I liked learning. But when I actually got the internship, it was an in-house legal department of a multinational uh, corporation. Uh, I looked around at the lawyers and I looked at the work that I was doing as an intern and none of it felt like what I wanted to do for the rest Mm. of my career. And even when I looked at the lawyers and their lifestyle, I had a feeling this is not where I want to be for the next 40, 50, 60 years of my life. Mm. It just didn't feel like, the kind of impact I wanted to create. It wasn't using the skill sets I could bring to the table. And I just didn't quite like the lifestyle I was seeing. Um, And so that's when I started to realize within the first year of law school that, okay, this might not be it for me. And I finished the first year of law school, but I really had a lot of internal conflict about whether this was the right path for the next few years. And when summer came, the summer holidays came after first year, I really mulled over what to do. But, you know, the few months went by and second year started and I still hadn't made any decision. Um, But in the October of the second year, there was one particular uh, thought or, or shift that really clicked in my head. And I think what really helped me make a decision was if I don't like my current situation, no one else can change the situation for me except for me.
0: Mm.
1: And that's when I realized if this wasn't where I want to be, I have to take responsibility for my decisions and mm. I have to take action moving forward and take full responsibility for those actions moving forward as well. And um, and that eventually helped me realize that, you know what, this is the right decision for me. And so I actually decided to leave law school um, and essentially became a law school dropout, which is a huge conflict to my identity, because I was was someone who really identified as a high achiever, uh, you know, always got good grades, um, won several scholarships and awards through our university. So that really hurt my ego, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. But you know, what I really learned from this experience is a few, um, a few things. Number one is that if you know, sometimes you just really have to take responsibility over your decisions and actions. Number two is that, you know, I received a lot of backlash from my parents and my peers who were in law school. They just didn't quite understand my reasoning behind this. And that's okay. I learned that it is okay for people to understand, stay committed to your decisions and keep moving forward. And the last thing I learned is that if you want to create a life Career and or business that is really aligned with who you are, what you want, your your values, the skill sets you have, you know, you just have to make a decision. Sometimes there's no right or wrong decisions, but you just have to make a decision and like your reason for it. So yeah, I after I left law school, I you know I did enter a quarter life crisis. I was really confused. I had no backup plan, but I I experimented a lot and I dabbled in a lot of different things, which eventually led me into the PhD as well as the business.
0: And okay, I just want to point out to everyone, now that we're on this part, PhD, student, business owner, it's not just, oh, you know, I'm making a little money here and there in my business. It's like, I've got a six-figure business, and I'm a PhD student. Yes? Tell me where I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, that is <laughs> that, that is what's happening right now.
0: Right, and I know there are PhD students listening to this, going, "Wow, uh, they're living on their whatever fifteen thousand a year stipend." <laughs> um, so let's talk about how you are able to do both.
1: Mm, okay, so for some timeline or more context, I started the business uh, in 2019. I think March, yes, March 2019. Um, back then I was actually working as a full-time research assistant so this was around the time when I had left law school and I was experimenting with my interests figure out figuring out what I really wanted to do in life career and or business so I was really just exploring Um, so now I'm a PhD student but when I first started the business I was a RA um, and that that job really fueled my interest to become a, a PhD student. But, um, but anyways, back to the business part. So, I started the business um, because at that time I had dabbled in a little bit of YouTube, a little bit of content creation, and I really just shared my experiences with leaving law school and navigating parental expectations and mm-hmm. dealing with judgments. I created some content. I wasn't anything. It wasn't anything big. But people, um, strangers on the internet. Found value from it. Mm. Strangers actually reached out and, you know, said thank you for creating content that they they resonated with and could relate to and were undergoing or re- going through the same thing. And at the same time, there were several people asking me, you know, how how did you get the confidence to even talk about these things? Because, you know, these are very personal things to me, and they were from my they were my honest lived experiences. So I started getting questions about how how are you sharing this? And so I, and that was around the same time I started becoming aware of the coaching space on the internet. So I thought, okay, let me see if I can help people for free. So how I got started was I started just helping people with kind of like, I don't even know what to call it. I guess you can say confidence coaching, content coaching, personal brand coaching. It was like a mush of different things, but I just wanted to help people for free So that's what I did. And one of my clients who I worked with for free was actually an aspiring coach or entrepreneur. And she ended up getting her first paying client through our work together. So that's when I realized, okay, so I I could help people perhaps, you know, develop their confidence and their content strategy. And that could eventually help them get, paying clients for their own coaching business. So over time as I worked with more and more clients, that turned into more of business coaching. But I just want to say that when I first started, I really started with what I knew first and what I actually had experience with and what I was actually comfortable talking about.
0: Okay. And tell me, how are you feeling now? I mean, do you have I know you talk about having the life and the career and the business you want. Do you feel like you have that now? And where do you still want to go? Mm,
1: yeah, so right now, ever since I dropped out of law school, I have been in a much different frame of mind when it comes to exploration and opportunities and career in general, because I used to have a very defined notion of what success is. Basically, you just check off the checkboxes and that's mm-hmm. success. That was kind of my interpretation for many, many years. But ever since dropping out of law school, I realized that's not how I want to define success anymore. So now when it comes to what do I want in my life, career and business, you know, I, you know, and I get this question a lot about, do you want to go into the academy later on? Like, what is your goal afterwards? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know because I just feel like there's so much to explore, so many skill sets to develop, so many new ideas to, to just be exposed to that I honestly don't know. But I know that every single day, every single client that I work with is really, mm, how, how how can I phrase this? It's like, it's another skill set under my belt that I can leverage in the future. Every piece of knowledge or skill that I refine and hone in on, it's building my reservoir or like toolkit of things I can use to create the impact and also income that I want in the future. So although I don't really know what my dream life, career, business will look like a few years from now, I would say that I'm currently very proactively building that skill set so that whatever I choose to do later on, I have options to, to explore.
0: Wow. Great answer. How many people can honestly say that they uh, sort of have gratitude every time they go in to, uh, to do work uh, with a new client or on a new project um, and and can look at that and say, this is an opportunity to learn something. That I can take with me in the future. Um, it's sort of a a mindset that's going to change everything. It's gonna it's gonna make your life in the present more fulfilling, and um, it allows you to take risks and do and and make turns you wouldn't otherwise make. When I say all of that, do you do you have a, a sort of different understanding of that, or a more nuanced understanding? How, like tell me where I'm wrong.
1: Mm, Yeah, I think to follow up on that even further, I think, yeah, definitely, I, I really resonated with everything you just shared. I think I will also add that when it comes to building a business online, and creating content online, the way I like to look at it is the fact that strangers on the internet finds value from what I have to say, and they find so much value that they want to pay me for my, my knowledge and experience to help them do a certain or solve a certain problem or achieve certain goals that blows my mind. The fact Mm -hmm. that this opportunity even exists, I can just make content on the internet and people find value from it and I can Mm -hmm. help people even for free. That is incredible to me. And I really, that's why my relationship with social media has changed a lot because I would say that in my younger days, it's, It was definitely not a very healthy relationship of social media. But now when I shifted to I can actually help people with my lived experiences and my knowledge and expertise that has changed the game for me and also changed the game for my business.
0: Okay, so talk to me about um, the Ph.D. Here you are. You quit law school. You um, you are having this successful business. Why the Ph.D.?
1: Mm, okay so i think I, I really have to credit my super my um my pi when i was in my ra job i think just seeing i think it's, it's a few it's different reasons but i think first is i just saw how much he really genuinely liked his job mm, mm. I, and i think that's rare or that's not as common i would say um and I think just by seeing him really genuinely like his research, and I also really resonated with what he did as well, I think that that gave me kind of like a new angle when it comes to possibly doing a PhD and being in the research area, is that um, it's possible to actually be a happy graduate right. student, to actually, because I, everyone on his team really seemed to like what they're doing and like being there um, because you know I, I was an RA previously in um, my undergrad and I would say that I didn't quite get the same impressions but I think for the first time I was seeing people actually really liking what they were doing and being happy and I thought okay that's a that's a, that expanded my realm of possibility so that was the first thing um, but also number two you know there are there, there's still that spark in me that wants to explore certain research topics, certain questions and explore my potential as a researcher. There, there is that spark in me still. I don't know how, quite how to explain it, but it's still there. So I think okay. that's what prompted me to make the application and go through the interview processes. And here I am.
0: How is it going? Like, are you finding um, what you hoped you'd find? Um, what, where is it falling short? <laughs> like, I, I would love to hear it all. I think
1: because I started the PhD in the middle of the pandemic it mm-hmm. that has affected my experience a lot. Um I would say that throughout the first year of my PhD all of my my cohort in the department were overseas and I was the only one here in the in the city. Um and so that was that was actually a really lonely experience I would say and even so far it's still quite lonely because Um, you know, I just don't have as much physical interaction of my classmates, my my peers and my cohorts. I think that that's actually where um, making friends on the internet and having connections from the business has really helped. Um, Uh. And that's created another source of support. Connecting with other graduate students um, through through Instagram or other communities has really been helpful. Um, So I would say, to be quite honest, I would say that the emotional aspect of the PhD was definitely not what I expected. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I would leave it there.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. No, I hear. Oh, wow. I really hear that. COVID is just hard for all of us um, in so many ways. So let me then ask you, because this is such a big thing on um, the podcast. People are often reaching out and asking me about, you know, how do I manage a toxic work environment? How, how can I be happy when, you know, my, the research lab I'm working in is not happy <laughs> and how can I feel like I'm confident and how can I feel like, um, you know, like I'm valuable. And th- this is like a, a theme that comes up often and I would like you if you would to talk about what sort of elements were in place in the lab you worked in as a grad student um or were you maybe were you a grad student at that point when you were in the lab and you said I knew it was possible to be happy as a grad student because My PI had created this environment that was really wonderful, and people were really happy there. And so I guess I'm just wondering if you could just take a second and tell us what things were in place that made it feel so good in your mind?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Okay, so I guess for some context, um, I'm in the social work department, but I did previously work in labs um, because my... Uh, my background is actually in the sciences, but um, currently I'm uh, in the social work department, so um, I can only it. speak okay. from the current experience. So when I was working as the uh, RA um, in the in the on the team, I guess you can say, since it's not technically a science lab, and there were other postdocs or other PhD students as well. I think what I could sense is that the PI it's hard to explain, but like he really cared, he really, um, the intention to be a mentor and create a supportive environment really Mm. showed through in the language that he would use and also Mm. um, making an effort to create community within the team, even though, for example, when I was the newest member of the team and um, I would even say like the youngest at that time, um, I never felt isolated. Or I never mm. felt excluded or um, too dumb or looked down upon. So it's, I, I'm not quite sure how, how the PI did this, but I think <laughs> it's in the language, the intentionality. He just really cared about his role and as a mentor, not just as a prolific scholar. Like I could tell that, sure, he cared about, you know, publications. Yes, he cared about the quality of his work. He he cared about the quality of work that his team produces, but he also genuinely cared about the well-being of the team members. And I think um, that meant a lot for for me as part of the team. So I hope that answers the question.
0: It does. It's such a beautiful answer. Um, Just because I so often hear the opposite, right? This is this is why it's toxic. And this is why my PI it makes me feel so terrible. And so it's so nice to hear about this experience and this PI and this wonderful sort of work environment. So thank you for that. And I would also now um, ask you about, like really switching gears here now, um, I, I guess I want to know about sort of the advice you have for people who want to do side hustles. Um, And I know you said confidence is a big issue. What are some of the things that you tell people um, who are who are trying to create something in the world that doesn't yet exist?
1: Mm, Okay, so many things to unpack here that we can possibly look into. Okay, Mm, the first thing, okay, two things come to mind first. So let's talk about the strategy side of things first. I think that'll be more helpful first. Okay. So okay. in terms of the actual doing like doing the things to create your business, um I think where a lot of especially if people are currently in a full-time role or they have other major responsibilities going on, parenting for example or anything else in between, I think that where I have seen myself go wrong in the beginning was trying to do it all. Um because there was at the very first year of my business in 2019, I actually reached a point of burnout and I actually did pause my business for seven months between 2019 mm. to 2020, because I was doing all the things I see um, were possible for me. I was, uh, on, I was in, I was doing Facebook live streams. I had a private Facebook group. I was on Instagram. I was doing I, YouTube and a podcast. I was guessing on podcasts. I was doing all these things in terms of content creation and marketing. Um, and i burned out and that was on top of other roles that i was doing like my my job being a a family member a partner etc so that's why when i actually stopped the business took care of myself took care of my well-being and then came back i did things completely differently and mm-hmm. that helped my business actually skyrocket to its first six figures and um so good yeah, but, but what I had to learn was, yes, you can push and push and push and be unhappy in your business that was supposed to complement your life. Yes, you can push <laughs> and push and push, but there's also another way. And that's kind of my philosophy on building a business is if you don't like what you're currently doing in your business, just know that there's always another way of doing things because you know in business, in this entrepreneurial space, there's no longer that checklist that you have to check off. Because a lot of us who come from especially academic backgrounds, we're good at checking off checkboxes. Like we're very talented at that. But (laughs) if you want to build a business and be an entrepreneur, I would argue that that's not the case. Because if there really was a checklist that you can just follow, a blueprint that you can follow in business, everyone would have a six-figure, multiple six-figure, million-dollar business by now. But that's not the case. So by that argument, it's like, okay, the blueprint probably doesn't exist. So if that's the case, then what do you want to do? the possibilities are endless. So what is your, what is your old blueprint that you want to do? So that's, that's how I want to premise this part of the conversation is, um, just know that yes, you can definitely do all the things in your business, but there's also another way, which is keep it simple, keep it really, really simple and do the bare minimum number of things, but do it really, really, really well. So, um, to give you an overview of what I currently do in my business. So for the longest time for in 2020, I only did Instagram content. I built my business on Instagram primarily and I worked with my clients and that's it. I didn't do anything else um business wise. Um and it was only until late 2020 when I started my podcast. It's been one year since I started a podcast. So now I do three things. I do my Instagram, I do my podcast, a weekly podcast episode, and I work with my clients. If I had to tally up the number of hours I work on in my business, um It's really, I would say, part-time hours. So depending on how many clients I work with at a time, um, I would say it fluctuates between maybe 12 to 15 hours a week, I would say, if I I look at my Google Calendar. But I, I am working with a heavier client um roster i would say than most people so i think that that's something to consider as well but one of my other clients for example um she only spends about eight hours a week on her business including content creation um and working of clients so you can definitely create your own schedule but when it comes to getting started really figure out what kind of platform you want to build your business off of and you can you only need one you only need one platform to work Right. So you don't need to be on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things at the same time. Choose one platform that you are willing to start to master and have fun and enjoy creating content for. So I think that's the first piece of the strategy side. And then in terms of the mindset piece, I think one of the biggest Um, blocks I think a lot of my academic clients or peers who want to be entrepreneurs tend to face is what would people think of my business what would people think of me creating all this content on the instagrams and (laughs) here's what I usually would have to say or a thought I would like to offer is people will have thoughts about what you're doing they likely already have thoughts about you without the business and you're already coexisting with those thoughts that people might have about you. But also the, the the question I like to ask is what, what matters more avoiding the business altogether to avoid the fear of judgment, avoid having people think thoughts about you or judge your business or actually getting your message and expertise and skills out there and helping people and making the impact. What matters more? Like, would you rather mm-hmm. avoid it out of fear? Would you rather do it even do it while you know you're sure you may be fearful but you know what 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 matters more to you and that's usually a question that people would have to ask themselves and think about there's no right or wrong but you just have to like your reasons for for choosing your your outcomes afterwards so yeah i think that that's the mm, the mindset piece i can offer for now
0: is there anything you would like to offer in the end as um uh, just as something that helps us to complete the conversation. Um, anything in particular you want to say? Hmm.
1: I think that when it comes to any academics who want to, or any side hustlers, I should say, who want to create their own side hustle coaching business, um, just know that it is possible. And and I think the reason why people may not start in the first place is because they have a lot of um. The, the examples that they're seeing isn't a line of them so what I want to offer here is that look for examples of people who you resonate with who are doing what you want to do because I think in this day and age in 2021 soon 2022 there's many people from all walks of life all experiences and backgrounds who are doing something that you might want to do yourself so I think one thing that might be helpful is go do your your research on the internet and find examples of people who are doing what you want to do and expand your your realm of possibility your awareness of of what's possible because i think that a lot of times people um are hesitant to start creating what they really want to create because they don't quite have that um, example in front of them that it's even possible so i think yeah i would really recommend anyone here to do your due diligence and go on the internet and start finding examples of individuals who you personally resonate with who are an example of what's possible for you
0: Okay, so tell us how we can find you, Cheryl. If we are into this and we need a side hustle coach, where do we find you? Yes, you
1: can always find me on the Instagrams. My handle is (laughs) at Cheryl theory. My last name is not theory. Um, my last name is Lau, but you know, back in uh, high school, I joked that I would one day have my own theory (laughs) who would have known I would become a PhD student later. I I did not have a clue, (laughs) but yeah, um, my handle is Cheryl theory. Um, you can find me there. I also have a podcast called the side hustle club podcast, and you can find a lot of value there as well. Thank
0: you so much. I really had fun in this conversation and how funny it is that you were able to bring in the, the work environment stuff for, um, for research labs. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that came yeah. up in conversation. I had to
1: pause and think about, oh, was my experience. How can I, I have nothing but positive words about the PI. Um, so I'm, I was really honored I could even mention him and give him a shout out <laughs> in this way.
0: Thanks for listening to Self-Compassionate Professor. Find me on LinkedIn at Danielle Delamar, on Twitter and Instagram at Danielle SC Prof or schedule a free coaching consult at selfcompassionateprofessor.com. Be well.